Welcome everyone to the call, Enhancing the Social and Economic Inclusion of Refugees through Local Development Strategies. My name is Camila Coz and I am a policy analyst at the Migration Policy Institute. First, a housekeeping note. If you have any technical problem, please email events at migrationpolicy.org or call the number indicated on the slide. We will have a Q&A at the end of the call. There will not be a voice Q&A, but please type any question into the Q&A chat box on the right side of your screen or send to the host or email questions at uh, email question to events at migrationpolicy.org. You can also tweet your question at migrationpolicy or hashtag MPI discuss. We now welcome three guests who have been very engaged in the topic we're discussing today. Benjamin Burkert, who is Senior Social Development Specialist at the World Bank, Kodek Mokari, who is the Commissioner of Kenya Refugee Affairs Secretariat, and Mamadou Dianbalde, who is Deputy Director of the Division of Resilience and Solution at UNHCR. Since 2016, and even more since 2018, and the adoption of the Global Compact on Refugees, Humanitarian and development actors have increased their efforts to join forces in low- and middle-income countries hosting refugees. Many of these interventions have focused on integrating refugees, including them in national development strategies, and also promoting their effective access to public services like health and education. This webinar zoom in on what these efforts look like at local level. There are three panelists who will discuss how development actors can work with local authorities and UNHCR to enhance the social and economic inclusion of refugees. For many decades, subnational authorities have been at the forefront of hosting refugees, and while their capacity can be narrow, they still have a direct experience in welcoming this newcomer and mitigating tension between host and refugee communities. And in recent years, development actors have thought to build on the experience their expertise. In Kenya, for instance, the authorities of Turkana province partner with UNHCR and development actors to design a local development strategy that integrate the refugees living in the Kakuma refugee camp. In a country like Burundi, the World Bank and the government have agreed to include refugees in local governance bodies in order to identify common issues, and common projects, common answers. This experience suggests that many changes for refugees will start at local level while general principles agreed upon in international conference are being implemented. This discussion today between the World Bank, UNHCR, and Kenya Refugee Affairs Secretariat will explore three main questions. First, how can development and humanitarian actors work with local institutions to promote refugee inclusion? What form should this cooperation take on? Is it about including refugees in local development plan, inviting them to local consultation? and how to prepare local authorities to include refugees in this discussion, and sometimes to overcome some prejudice they might have about refugee population. Second, who should speak, uh, sorry, second, how has the involvement of refugee in local institutions materialized, and how to ensure this participation leads to concrete changes for refugees? Who should speak in the name of refugee? How can be select representative? Um, and beyond that, how to ensure that these representatives are in a position to negotiate with local authorities. And a final question, in fragile environment, how to build on these efforts to better include refugees to enhance the engagement of other groups that have traditionally been marginalized, internally displaced persons, ethnic minorities, or returnees. But first, let me introduce Benjamin Burkhardt from the World Bank. Benjamin has been based in various countries in Africa and is currently working on forced displacement in Cameroon. 
Ben, could you tell us a bit more about the World Bank response to forced displacement, specifically in the context of working with local authorities, um, how these efforts are drawing on years of experience of the bank working on decentralization, particularly in, the light, in light of the project you're now managing in, in Cameroon? Okay, thank you very much, uh, Camille, and welcome everyone. Uh, I mean, uh, first of all, uh, thank you for the opportunity, and uh, it's great to see, I see that already that many people are, are, are connecting. So I would like to, to, to discuss with you a little bit about uh, my experience as a World Bank uh, a practitioner, and uh, to tell you uh, what we're trying to do, I mean, especially in Cameroon. So in terms of, uh, of uh, what is available within the World Bank for uh, the forced displacement issues, uh, first of all, I think it's important to, to remember that the World Bank, uh, back in uh, February, just approved a new uh, uh, fragile and conflict and violence strategy for the coming uh, few years so to, to, to show really the, the, the engagement of the World Bank in, in this. And uh, there is also, you know, as part of the different uh, IDA cycles, uh, since the IDA 18, I mean, and we are now in the IDA 19, since July 1st, there is a dedicated uh, sub-window for uh, refugees and host communities uh, situation. In fact, since uh, July 1st, there is now 2.2 billion available throughout the world to various members of countries that have uh, forced displacement situations. In terms of uh, what we're trying to do in uh, Cameroon uh, has been to really see how we can uh, somehow embed the issues from a forced displacement situation into local development uh, uh, projects. So instead of uh, 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 focusing on preparing a dedicated new uh, project, it was decided, uh, because Cameroon has already a number of, of projects with the World Bank, to see how we can strengthen them and maybe customize them to respond to the needs of the uh, refugee situation. Therefore, we have prepared, uh, uh, in fact, additional financing uh, directly uh, using this uh, sub-window dedicated for refugee situation to four projects, for education, for safety nets, for health, and for local development. The idea here is to see how we can provide a better uh, holistic approach to the needs uh, on the ground. And uh, by doing so, to really ensure that uh, the needs of the refugees, but also of the host communities, are better addressed. If I take an example uh, by, by, by uh, working together, uh, if I look, for example, at the school, I mean, we will now be able with the education project to work towards uh, having better teachers, having books. But with the local development project to also, for example, uh, building uh, extra classrooms to make sure that the, the, the classrooms are not crowded. With the health, also that uh, the students are in better uh, shape. I mean, uh, maybe uh, focusing, for example, on nutrition and uh, have a better attendance rate at the school. And finally, with the safety net to ensure that we can address the needs of the most vulnerable. So all this are focusing, uh, once again, on the refugees and the host communities, without targeting uh, specifically one or the others, but more to see how we can address uh, the issues instead of really focusing on a different type of uh, 
on a specific type of uh, beneficiary. I need to also uh, add that all these uh, projects have been prepared and are being implemented in very close relationship with uh, UNHCR. And we're very lucky to have uh, uh, the commissioner with us today. So the idea is to see really how, with what uh, has been uh, currently uh, being implemented by UNHCR, how we can build on that, how we can harmonize our approach and provide better services uh, to, the, to the people in need. I mean, it's important also to realize that uh, in, uh, in, uh, in Cameroon, I mean, you have hundreds of thousands of uh, refugees. I mean, uh, coming from uh, the Sierra crisis or coming from uh, uh, the crisis linked to Boko Haram. And so you have different type of situation. Being uh, either where you have the refugees directly uh, integrated into the villages or where you have camps. So those two, those two situations also brings, uh, of course, different uh, needs and the way uh, it needs to be uh, uh, proposed has to be, uh, has to be shaped a little bit differently. But the one of the, for the, the, the people that are uh, already in villages, it's very important to understand their needs and that's what we do so with the local development plan, right? I mean, when we go, we do the focus group and we uh, ask the questions to the, to the communities, what are their needs? Then we do the same with the refugee people to ensure that they are not left out, but they are fully integrated of uh, what should be done uh, at the commune level. And uh, interestingly enough, the needs are quite similar, in fact. I mean, the refugees are uh, the host communities face many of the uh, similar issues. In camps, I mean, it's a bit different. I mean, where somehow much more support is provided by a number of uh, actors already on the ground. Nevertheless, I mean, we see, we're trying to see how we can also open up the camp more to the, uh, to the population, the local population, the host community. For example, in terms of hospital or, or health clinic or education. Again, to see how this uh, inclusion can really be embedded uh, at the local level. There is a, that now in terms of, uh, and I'm not sure exactly how, how much time I have left, but uh, a little bit on the, on the challenges that we are facing. I think it's extremely important that we uh, all understand and we all uh, know each other uh, and we understand how we work together. I mean, the relationship with UNHCR has been, I have to say, quite fantastic, but also because we took on both parties uh, a lot of time to understand how the World Bank works, how UNHCR works, and ready to see where we can have the linkages. So for me, one of the main challenges is ready to understand that Somehow we need to change. We need to uh, probably improve or nuance or, or adapt to the way we work, uh, taking into consideration the needs of, uh, of the other actors and the way they work. By doing so, we can make sure that uh, when, for example, we need to, to, uh, to address a new refugee emergency situation and that we need to build a new camp, for example, and uh, I fully agree that, I mean, we need to, to act very quickly. I'm sure that uh, we address the needs of the people, that we save lives. But in the meantime, we can already start thinking a bit more on the development side and see, in fact, 
where we are exactly and how we can maybe address the needs of the local population. And here I'm talking uh, maybe the provision of, uh, of water or looking to, towards a health facility or the type of, this type of thing. So I think this is a great momentum where uh, the World Bank coming in, uh, the, all the humanitarian development actors also understanding the needs of the ground to see how we can all coordinate and uh, really uh, not harmonize, but uh, see the, the, uh, the advantage that each partner can have and how we can address uh, more the, uh, the refugee situation, I would say, than really only the specific needs of the, of the refugee, but more to have a, a better, I would say, uh, approach that would benefit uh, uh, more people than the only uh, a, a certain type of uh, beneficiary. And uh, voila, that's it for now, Camille. Back to you. Intervention, Benjamin. It was very good to hear from the World Bank efforts to engage with subnational authorities in this community development project approach um, and the project in Cameroon. Um, and I now turn to Commissioner Macquarie from Kenya Refugee Affairs Secretariat to discuss the situation in the Turkana province. Um, what cooperation between humanitarian development and local actor has been established, um, and what are some of the key takeaways from this effort? Commissioner, I don't think we're able to hear you. Uh, could you speak up a little bit more? Uh, just uh, hold on. Yes. Now? now we can hear you. Okay, fine. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me uh, to be part of these uh, discussions. And welcome everyone on board. And uh, I'm going to talk about um, what we have, which is actually a pilot project in uh, one of our uh, camps, Kakuma, which is what we call the key step. And so I request that uh, probably you allow me to proceed right away. Um, uh, we have 494,921,000 refugees uh, in Kenya. In Kakuma and Kalobe, where this project is based, we have uh, 196,000. Kalobe has 38,000. Kakuma has 107,000. Uh, so basically, the Kalobe Integrated Social Economic Development Project which actually is uh, acronym that KISETI is one uh, project that we, we we are proud of as as, as Kenyan and I think it's something we can tell to the world. Uh, it's an area-based planning approach uh, based in a small area of uh, of, of the Turkana County, which is um, the western part of the country, bordering Uganda and uh, and in the, in the South Sudan. It is, uh, this approach is part of a county integrated development plan, uh, which is the planning tool used to, to, to map out development projects in the county. 
which is actually the CIDP. The CIDP is also part of the National Development Plan and the National Development Strategy. Of course, uh, the setup is in Turkana County, but specifically in uh, the Turkana West sub-county. Of course, Kakuma is the major town and is the headquarter for the, the sub-county, and of course, uh, the home to the refugee camps. The Calabria Integrated uh, Refugee Settlement is also nearby, and this is where the target is. And uh, of course, the leadership of the project is by the county government of Turkana in collaboration with uh, the UNSCR. Of course, the national government as uh, a collaborator uh, with the Turkana county government is part of the, the implementation. Uh, the project started uh, some time in 2018, but prior to that, there was a planning phase and it has three phases, one running up to 2022 from 2018, the second phase from 2023 to 2027, and the third phase will be running from 2020 to 2030. So as we speak now, we are in the first phase of implementation, in the, in the middle of the, the, the first phase. And the first phase was estimated to cost 500 million USD, and this financing will have been sourced from government, both the county and the national government, the humanitarian actors, the development partners, and the private sector. And of course, uh, uh, the World Bank and the UNHCR represent the development partners and the humanitarian agents in this, plus many, many others. Um, this project had four objectives. One of the objectives is to create a conducive environment for private sector investment in Burkina West. The other is to enhance innovative aid delivery and increase financial inclusion for refugees and host communities. Uh, there was also the objective of increasing access to higher education for refugees and host community children, promote and support market-driven skills for refugees and host uh, communities. And uh, finally, uh, I want now to show you the map of Kenya, if you are watching the screen, so that you can uh, have a feel of where this uh, project is, uh, is based. So on uh, towards uh, where we have a blue color is Turkana West, uh, if, you are, if you are seeing. And so within that area is where the project is based, but uh, of course it is in the Calabay area. Uh, the other thing uh, is here on the Turkana County government uh, or the Turkana County map. Um, at the time of establishment of the program, there were 320,000 host uh, communities, the Turkana community living in Turkana West. And at that time, there was uh, 106,000 refugees, totaling to uh, 506,000 uh, people in, in, the, in the Turkana West. Uh, and so uh, this is just a section, a small, a small section of the, the, the county, as you can see, the county is a massive one. And so the target population was 506, but uh, you can see close to almost half now of that population is a refugee population. Uh, uh, this project was premised on uh, uh, some principles, and one of them is uh, the government initiative uh, led. Uh, it placed communities at the center of the planning, 
της ανέργειας της Απόγειας Αεσίου Ιταλία, της Σαστενιπίρτης Ινδεστημένης Ινδεστημένης Uh, in the areas that were targeted for purposes of uh, implementation of the project. The first area was um, health, and in health, the Turkana government uh, developed a bill, a health bill, and uh, in this bill, refugees did participate in the making of the bill. Uh, in Kenya, it is, uh, it, is, it is a constitutional matter for people, the public, to participate in uh, development of policies, or bills or projects. And for this one, the Turkana and the refugee community were involved in the development of the bill. Then 65% of the refugee and host, host women uh, are now able to deliver in uh, under-skilled health professionals. And so the, the project has really assisted the community. More qualified health workers have been employed through the project. Child mortality has been reduced by 30% among refugees. Uh, the eight health facilities uh, in the refugee community, that in Kalobei and the Kakuma refugee camps, are being accredited to NHIF. NHIF, for, for those who are not Kenyan, is the National Health Insurance Fund. And this is a, this is a good thing because once uh, they are accredited, then anybody accessing the, the, the health facility will use uh, the, the insurance. Uh, uh, provided by NHIF to get students. On education, 233 classrooms uh, have been constructed or rehabilitated. This could be new or old uh, classrooms which have been rehabilitated to date. 20% uh, increase in access to higher education has been realized. Uh, there is support to improve policy and environment provided to the Ministry of Education. Actually, this uh, through his death, the Ministry of Education has received a lot of support, uh, not necessarily financial, but uh, in terms of uh, capacity building to develop policies that can support refugee education. And 80% uh, of, of the refugee children uh, pass exams. They perform very well in the national examinations. Actually, this is compared to 76%, which is the national average. So when you when you look at the, the, the gains made in education for refugees, the refugees have gained a lot more than probably the locals. Um, on water and sanitation, refugees uh, also again here participated in the water bill of 20. This was 2018. Uh, sorry for the error that is on the screen. So the refugee bill, the, the, the water bill of the Turkana County government was done in 2018 and actually accented in 2019. And there was participation of the refugees in making of that bill. So it's now an act of the local assembly of, uh, of, of Turkana. There is enhanced interest uh, from the private sector to invest in water and, uh, and, uh, and water supply in the area. Uh, 158 uh, functional water boreholes have been drilled in the Turkana West, uh, and 4,106 4, toilets have been constructed 
within the vicinity of um, the refugee camps and the neighboring communities. On protection, we have 168 children in foster care by June last year. There is an initiated training curriculum for refugee teachers. There is inclusion of refugees into the CIDP. The CIDP tool is a, a county integrated development plan of which the KISADEP is a part of. And then we have uh, uh, where now issues of Uh, we have we have issues where we have taken over the registration of refugees at government, and on private sector and entrepreneurship, 20% increase, and uh, all those things that have come with that, 20 million US dollars have been transferred through cash based transfers, and refugees uh, build their own houses. So they have cash in their in their in their pockets, and uh, very many other things. Seventy-five, seven thousand five hundred, seven thousand five hundred refugees have access to credit. So I think so far up to that end, uh, I will stop there. Maybe uh, when the time comes, we will respond to any queries that can be raised. Thank you so so much. Thank you very much for this um, comprehensive overview of KISAP. Um, yeah, and this takeoff, you know, has this as perform uh, so far. Um, and now we'd like to conclude um, with Mamadou Dian Balde to give us a bit of UNHCR perspective on how cooperation with SEP national authorities um, as sometime a little more direct improvement for refugee was, well, it's also come um, with limitation. Thank you. Kami, do you hear me? Yes, we can hear you perfectly. Thank you so much, Kami, and thanks to um, MPI for organizing this event, and greetings to all. Um, I, I think the fact that I'm coming last um, is the, 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 the pressure on, on myself, so I would like really to, to share five points um, to support what Commissioner McCurry and Benjamin have said but also um, you know, emphasizing a few others. The first one is really to say that for UNHCR, we have been uh, for very long looking for opportunities to have refugees fulfill their own human capital potential. It means that um, refugees, as you know well, are like you and myself, and they have capacities. And um, to be able to use these capacities we need to have a very solid um, um, protection environment. And um, to really support this, we have um, a very solid legal foundation through the 1951 Refugee Convention, which has um, um, rights relating to, to access to education, access to work, and in the case of Cameroon and Kenya, and the possibility to also um, have through the 1969 OU Convention access to these rights. That's, um, so really the first point is to say that we have long been looking for opportunities for refugees to fulfill their own human capital. We have solid legal foundation, but we have also learned from experience. Through um, 70 years of experience, we have seen, for example, that um, the, the very short uh, measures of receiving and hosting refugees and believing that they will soon return 
and that they should be isolated out of the societies that generously host them. This, um, these approaches do not work. So already in the 60s, um, UNHCR has worked with several governments and um, in several countries across the world into having um, zonal development approaches so that refugees can work and that refugees can contribute and that they can work and be um, uh, socially um, um, linked with the communities that, that host them. So that was really the first one. The second point I wanted to share is that um, very, uh, very importantly, and Camille referred to this, in 2016, we really had um, a breakthrough through the New York Declaration and its Comprehensive Refugee Response Framework, and since December 2018 with the Global Compact on Refugees. What is that breakthrough? The breakthrough is that um, we are realizing or we have realized that uh, when refugees arrive, it is to the benefit of everyone, refugees themselves, generous host countries, development actors, humanitarian actors, societies hosting them, that it is beneficial to all of us to have refugees included into some of the systems um, that, um, that, that where they are hosted. We, are all, we have also learned by then, uh, after several years, that refugees are themselves part of the solution. So how can we enable them to contribute to the societies that so generously host them? So that's, in 2016, we had that breakthrough, and, um, and that was really reflected into uh, the four objectives of both the CRRF and the GCR, which are that um, the international community will work with um, host countries that are very often in the global south, 85% of the refugees, as many of you know, live in the global south, so that, um, um, so that the international community will support and ease the pressure on host countries, and that um, the international community and national government will help refugees live much more dignified life through access to self-reliance, and that we will be working much better in relation to solutions. These were the first two broad points that I wanted to share. Now, um, let me um, go to the uh, next three. Um, the first one of those is the importance of close partnership with national authorities. Um, we all heard um, uh, Commissioner McCory about the, the, the work that has been done in Kenya with the national level authorities, but also the subnational level authorities with the with the entities in Turkana County. We, we know that if we do not have such type of work and that we, we do not only work at national level but also at subnational level, the potential of the refugees as well as the host populations and helping them access better to water, education, other basic services will not really be fulfilled. So that's really, I think, a very important aspect of of, of what we are trying to do. And we are learning more and more about making sure that national levels, subnational levels, and that authorities are, are, are engaged. And yes, authorities are the, the, you know, the ones that are elected, but also the societies that represent these authorities. So this importance, I think, is highlighted and we heard very closely from what Commissioner Makuri just said about KCDEP and few other programs they have in Kenya, how, how these, uh, these are important. 
and um, we, we have few other examples uh, beyond in Cameroon and few uh, Uganda, Ethiopia in, in, in this part of the world. The, the, the second uh, point um, that I wanted to add as part of the last three um, really related to the greater need for partnership with development actors. Benjamin said it, um, UNHCR has long um, tried to work with um, the, the, the World Bank and um, um, you know, the World Bank has been involved for decades on supporting refugees. Um, in the 1990s, we, we went through the Brookings process, but only um, after, I think in 2016, were we able to have through the World Bank, through donors, country, host countries, to have really a sub-window only dedicated to refugees as well as to host populations. That sub-window is making a difference, and that's one of the the big examples. There are few others, but I think um, uh, humanitarian actors, development actors led and are supported by, by national governments are really the ones, um, these are the ingredients that will help um, um, have um, refugees better, better supported as well as the host populations uh, with which they, they, they live in. My final point here before giving back the floor is to speak about the refugees themselves. I said it earlier, that uh, refugees are part of the solutions. We just heard the commissioner um, stating that refugees in uh, Turkana County have been participating into decision-making bodies. We have several of these good examples in Uganda, for example, where you have the, the CRRF steering committee um, um, based in, in, in Kampala, consulting with refugees, refugees working much more closely with local populations and having some of the most important issues relating to, to access to school, for example, being addressed by national authorities, but also by UNHCR, by development actors. So this we know that is really critical and we are learning. There are no uh, perfect pathways or, or blueprints on how best refugees can participate, but we know that they can participate. There are very good examples. There are, um, there are really good practices that um, UNHCR really will spend our time um, speaking about. And I think if the refugees themselves are able to contribute because they know better than all of us what is best for them, um, we, 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 can, we can better support them. So these were really the five points I wanted to, 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 to share again in support of what was um, shared earlier. Uh, back to you, Camille. Thank you very much for this precious insight into this question and yeah, this very structured five points. Um, I think we've now managed to gather a comprehensive perspective of the efforts that are being deployed to work with subnational but also national authorities um, on this question. And so I'll open the floor for Q&A. Um, as mentioned, you can type your, your question in the chat box, um, but maybe I'll start with three questions uh, for Benjamin. Uh, and there's also one that is, might be relevant for Mamadou as well. Um, so you mentioned, Benjamin, the linkages between UNHCR and the World Bank. Um, could you tell us, tell us a bit more on how this cooperation works concretely um, at country level, field level, and then at HQ? Um, another question was on the fact you mentioned that focus groups were conducted between host, I mean, among all communities and also with refugees. Um, to identify the different needs of the community. Um, you, you said that 
there were a lot of common needs, but when there are different perspectives on, on what is the most, you know, what should be the pressing priorities, have you, you know, managed these this differences? Um, and then the last question was on the impact of COVID uh, on this work and whether working with local authority had proved, um, had proved more helpful than, than just working at national level. Okay, thank you. Uh, so on the on the partnership with uh, UNHCR and the World Bank, I mean it's uh, in fact what we really I mean setting up it's it's a it's a, it's a partnership between UNHCR and uh, and the government and directly also the project on the ground. So how it works, I mean at at my level is that I talk to UNHCR, I mean two times a week, right? I mean to really make sure we're on the same page or or to really. Uh, and know what they're doing and that they know what we are doing. Uh, then we, they are in a relationship also with the different projects being implemented. Uh, then they also have meetings with this uh, project and then they also are part of the local level uh, directly with uh, those projects. And again, here when I say projects, I mean, let's not forget that with the World Bank, it's money that is lended to the government. So in fact, it's just the government. So what we're trying to really do is to make sure to, uh, to connect the dots, to connect the dots between UNHCR, the World Bank, but also when I say UNHCR, it's also uh, them represented the humanitarian actors, right? So that, that's how we really do it uh, uh, at, the, at the national and the local level. I mean, we also, for example, uh, use uh, UNHCR to define where we're going to do our, uh, our activities related to the to the refugee uh, subwindow, they give us uh, all the figures that are then uh, uh, directly used by the government. So again, here it brings uh, ownership. Uh, other examples is that uh, uh, the modules that they have to train, for example, teachers on the, on the refugee rights. Once again, this would be used uh, uh, for the education project I and mean, the activities that they do on the health. Uh, psychosocial support, etc., also to be used by the by the health project. So lots of linkages at national, but also at the local level. I mean, again, uh, sorry. I mean, I, I think of a of a big meeting that we had at the ministry level uh, lately. I mean, uh, through Webex, and uh, so the World Bank was there, and the chair was there as well. So the idea is really to have a very collaborative approach. Uh, on the focus groups, well, I mean, if the needs are different and that they are expressed and that they are endorsed uh, uh, by the community, then they make it into the, the PCD, I mean, the, the local development plan, that are then, the, if you want, the roadmap of development for, uh, for, the, uh, for the community. But here, I mean, what I, what I say the need is really uh, often related to schools, I mean, related to, uh, to, uh, uh, to health centers, roads, et cetera. I mean, if, uh, if the question is more related uh, on the, for example, I don't know, access to land or integration of refugees in the labor market, that's something that is not uh, uh, entirely, uh, uh, I'd say, uh, worked at the local level, but more at the national. Because also with the refugees of window, I mean, what we have is that we have the government that is engaging itself on the number of uh, uh, actions uh, towards integration of refugees. So here, that would, uh, that would be uh, something that uh, could uh, also benefit 
uh, the refugees. And last but not least, I mean, on the on the on the COVID response, I mean, it's a little bit too too early to say about what we're trying to do, at least at the local level, uh, with the local development plan, is to see again how we can try to address the needs of uh, the communities, not uh, targeting especially uh, refugees or hosts, but more more as a more as a whole. And last but last but not least, again, we are continuously exchanging with UNHCR to see what they're doing and how we can harmonize our approach. I hope I answered at least a little bit. Back to you, Kim. Thank you. Um, thank you very much for, for all these answers. Um, I don't know, Mamadou, if you want to add something um, on the linkages between UNHCR um, and the World Bank. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you, Kami. Yeah, just to compliment a, a bit, Benjamin. Um, in, indeed, our work at country level is is essential and um, how we work with the, the the national authorities in charge of refugees as well as other line ministries are indeed extremely essential first of all be, during assessment times of, of projects that uh, um, you know we, we, we work on with the World Bank but also once projects have been um, assessed, designed, and then approved uh, on their implementation. UNHCR's added value is about protection, is about knowing the conditions of refugees. It's about working with national authorities very often for decades, so having the data, and, uh, and the World Bank comes in with all these additional socioeconomic type of data, as well as a broader um, uh, fight against poverty. So this really at country level are extremely important. And um, as Benjamin said, uh, before my current position, I was in Ethiopia where we had, for example, fantastic relationship and, and uh, leaning on the comparative advantages of it. At the more global level, my division um, at UNHCR worked closely with the FCV um, um, colleagues at the World Bank in DC. We work closely also with some, some of the global practices like the ones on on, 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 on jobs and, and, and social protection, education, and few others, and trainings are indeed extremely important. We just had, for example, for our colleagues in the Western Central Africa, a certain number of webinars just to help easing that understanding. Um, I think that the, really the other point I wanted to add was on the COVID-19. Globally, COVID-19 is disproportionately affecting um, refugees all over the world, um, and um, because most of the refugees, as you know, where they can work, uh, usually uh, are um, you know rely on daily wages, and um, without uh, very you know without social protection or very limited social protection. So yes, the involvement of development actors, or or in the case, for example, of Kenya and Cameroon, having refugees included in in, um, let's say, um, national program on accessing education and few others are extremely important. So just to say that refugees are disproportionately affected by the overall message of inclusion of refugees into host societies, uh, into national programs, um, also resonated during the time of COVID and when we are trying to address uh, COVID and its negative impact on, on, on the societies that we, we, we have now. Back to you. Thank you. Thank you very much for, for this comprehensive answer. Um, and I now have a few questions for Commissioner Macquarie. 
Um, you mentioned that refugees are allowed to elect their own leaders, um, and a few people were wondering whether these elected leaders were elected within the camp or whether they were represented in government bodies at subcounty at subcounty level or at county level. Um, a second question was on the effect of the South Sudan crisis um, on the project and what had been, you know, some of the uh, measures to to, make, to mitigate this uh, this effect. And there was a third question on um, the efforts, you know, how the, the efforts conducted in Turkana province have been perceived at national level in Kenya, um, and what could be the implication for this uh, discussion uh, at national level on the refugee situation, um, and if you want to say a few words about the current discussion on, on the refugee law. I think uh, on the elected refugee leaders, uh, what we do is to allow the refugees to participate in a democratic process where they elect their own leaders. If they are in camp, they do the election in camps, and uh, there are various categories of positions that are available. Uh, of course, um, they, they have representation up to community level, meaning if, um, if they are Congolese, or they are Burundians or the Ethiopians, they have some kind of inclusion in that leadership. They have a chair, they have all other positions taken by various other uh, communities within, within that setting. Even those in the urban have that opportunity, we give them that opportunity. Uh, the reason for this is that um, if we have to get to the refugees, we need to know who their leader is and how to get them. And so these are the leaders who we mobilize for us refugees if they have participated in some, some event, or the leaders themselves can come and represent those uh, refugees. Of course, they are not, uh, the, the, the leadership is not uh, anchored in any government body. It's just a, a separate issue regarding refugees themselves. But we at Refugee Affairs and uh, the county government and uh, anybody else who wants to deal with refugees organize that leadership uh, that is there. So uh, the second question on the impact of some Sudanese crisis on, 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 on the development in Turkana. Of course, uh, you know, majority of the refugees in Turkana uh, in, in, in Kakuma and Karabeyi are from South Sudan. Uh, one of the positive uh, effects that they have had is that they have created a large market for uh, goods produced within Turkana or market for, 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 for goods that uh, are imported into Turkana. The other is that uh, as Turkana County um, prepares to make Kakuma uh, a municipality, these people uh, are giving uh, Kakuma a mileage over uh, to become a municipality because population is also a consideration. However, uh, uh, dependency on the, 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 the South Sudanese who are in Turkana for purposes of creating such a municipality might be counterproductive when finally they leave. So they, we are afraid that probably that might uh, affect the, 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 the market and the internal operations of the, the, the Kakuma town and the same environment. On the last question, clearly, I don't know whether you can repeat it for me. Um, so the question we got was uh, on how how the efforts conducted in Turkana have been perceived at national level 
um, but also, you know, the implication um, for, for the situation of refugee in, in the entire country. Um, and if you could say a few words about um, the discussion on the on the law, um, the recent discussions that have taken place. Okay, let me start with the last one on the law. I think on the law we are progressing well. The Bira has gone to second reading in Parliament just last week. Uh, the Parliament uh, moved out uh, for a recess when they reconvene in maybe three weeks' time. We believe that uh, the discussions on the law will continue until the law is formed. In Kenya, we, we do first, second, and third reading. So we have one more reading where we um, scrutinize the bill and then uh, agree on uh, whether to pass it or to decline. But from the discussion that went uh, took place in Parliament last week, there was every indication that um, the majority of the speakers were in support of the bill. So we, we expect that uh, all will be well. On uh, how the national government uh, takes uh, the developments in Fukana, especially on the social debt, I think initially there was um, not a very positive uh, note from from the national government because. Uh, these things uh, went very fast. Uh, of course, the Turkana government uh, and the UNSCR moved the process quite fast. But uh, recently, seeing what has taken place, what is happening, because most of the achievements that have been achieved are really supposed to be achieved by the national government, uh, providing these people with education, healthcare, all these things. And yet, uh, the Turkana county government has been able to mobilize uh, uh, partners to, to achieve this uh, in behalf of the national government, which is a positive. Uh, and um, I think for now, uh, uh, the, 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 the thinking in national government is that probably this could be a, a way to go in terms of managing refugees, having them to participate in the local economy, and uh, probably empowering them for purposes of uh, making sure that when finally the time comes for their return home, they are returning home when empowered and that then the, the return will be sustainable. Uh, let me stop there and I hope I've answered uh, all your questions. If there is anything that I have not addressed, just remind me. Thank you very much. Um, I just have another question for you, um, but that is also directed um to um to mamadou on the fact like how do you feel that all this initiative help address conflicts between refugees and local host population um and if you have an example you could provide uh well these initiatives may not uh, necessarily address all the conflict uh, between uh, the locals and the refugee community because we keep seeing this uh, but we also have conflicts between refugees themselves. So, um, of course, um, much of the conflicts have been addressed by these uh, initiatives because uh, when they are met to, to, to participate in policy making, in law making, in program design, uh, they, 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 they come together as, as, as a community living in the same county and being served by the same government in the same county. However, there are other things that generate uh, conflict. Um, uh, ownership of property, like land, uh, is not clearly defined in Turkana. So most of the land in Turkana is the communal owned. So even where refugees have been um, given land to operate on, 
sometimes a conflict can come because the leaders might decide the purpose where they come is but the local population may not entirely agree and so they always see it as a, as a conflict area but of course cultural issues also come into play we have had uh, cases of serious conflicts in the camp especially pitting the lgbt community and the host community and actually the lgbt community uh, against their own colleagues refugees within the camp because of the way uh, certain people perceive certain cultures so so i can't really say that this has entirely eliminated conflict but however i think uh, most of the conflicts have been addressed by this thank you very much and i think it's yeah it's, it's an interesting point also on the fact that they have they are also conflict um among refugees to to be managed um, Mamadou, I don't know if you want to add to this, and Anna, another question for you on um, the capacity building efforts that are needed for local authorities um, in some countries where, yeah, where provincial authorities or commune or cities um, might not have the expertise on refugee issue, um, and what type of effort had been, um, had been implemented in the past few years to help um, bridge that gap? Um, thank you. Thank you. I think, um, um, yes, let me just maybe start with the issue around conflict and to complement um, what Commissioner Makori has said. Indeed, there, there are conflict and, um, you know, the potential of conflict between um, small groups, large groups, and um, if you look at some settlements, some refugee camps, they are, these, some of them have the magnitude of cities or provinces. So, so yes, so you have them among refugees themselves, as well as between refugees and hosts. And um, while between refugees themselves, you have the structures, you have the, the, you know, the communal way of addressing them, of preventing them, the, um, the, the national level structure, including judges, etc. With host populations, you also need to bring in additional support. Because the reality is that very often it is the host populations that receive the refugees long before international actors come in or even sometimes national authorities come in. They, they are received and uh, land is being shared, limited resources are being shared, and then the refugees stay because conflict in the countries of origin have not been found, um, solved. So, and then the, the situation becomes protracted Hence again, for a long period of time, we were not really able to have in development actors. Now with the, the, the New York Declaration, the Global Compact on Refugees, um, as was exam exemplified in few places, bringing in development actors as early as possible really mitigates the possibility of conflict or, or dispute due to um, due to, to lack of resources and for a long period of time. And if it is done, in a concerted and integrated inclusive manner, including refugees, host populations, I think we will have lesser need for addressing conflict because we would have uh, prevented them much better by easing the pressure, again, which is the first objective of the GCR. Um, that's first point. And then the second one, capacity building of local authorities, I think is critical. We should be doing much more than we have been doing um, until now 
in in several countries we are aware of good examples in rwanda in kenya the commissioner just referred to that in uganda in ethiopia in several countries where we have um, capacity building efforts sometimes support to local authorities so that they can they can really um, you know address some of the issues that the populations that come and some of them come tenfold to the to the to the initial populations that they had and you cannot expect that a local population local authority that was dealing with 2000 3000 persons when you have 20000 refugees coming in to be able to expand that quickly so how can we we need to do more in relation to to capacity building as well as capacity strengthening for local authorities again we have good examples but i have to say it is a responsibility for all of us if I may, Camille, I just wanted to underline quickly um, another point, which is the importance of data. You asked the commissioner how national authorities looked at, you know, initiatives like the one in Kalo Bay. In addition to really all the work and the results that we start seeing now, the importance of data, as well as explaining, you know, if you allow refugees the possibility of working and contributing, what can they bring to the communities? That I think is extremely important. And um, you know, in the case of Kalo Bay, we were able to partner with the IFC, the private sector uh, arm of the of the World Bank Group, to be able to come with some detailed information, credible and reliable information. So data and uh, studies that help this really make a a, a a difference in relation to to, to policy making. And finally. Um, um, refugees are elected in several contexts. There are standard operating procedures. You have election charters, depending on the country. And um, and again, they are not perfect, like in, in several countries. But I, I, I do believe that this is a way that we should be exploring a bit more. And when allowed, they can contribute the way us can contribute. Back to you. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, uh, on the election, that's that's true that they are election in a number of contexts. And um, this, I mean, the, the World Bank has sometimes built on this mechanism to um, for, to inform its projects. Um, I, I just have, and I'm sorry because we're short on time, but I just have a last question for Benjamin um, about Idea 19 um, and whether we should expect more projects uh, building on this approach under Idea 19. Um, and maybe what what are the things that might be different under this uh, this new funding window? Okay, thank you. Uh, I mean, yes, there is much more to come because there is uh, 2.2 billion that have been set aside uh, for the coming three years. So, what type of project? I mean, it would depend on the context and the results that are shown. But uh, very short answer to just say much more to come, and uh, we look forward to it. Thank you. Um, thank you, thank you, uh, and apologies for not addressing all the questions um, we have to close for today. Uh, thank you again for our three panelists uh, for participating in the discussion, um, and the slides and the audio from today's webinar will be available uh, on our website.